Welcome to the Good Side Podcast, a platform to meet the real change makers and learn about innovative models for sustainable development. COVID-19, especially its second wave, took a grievous toll on India. It left a trail of death, misery and economic destruction. And now, the third wave of COVID-19, according to some experts, is imminent. Organizations in the development space are coming forward to bolster India's fight against COVID. Deepak Foundation is one among them. Today we have with us Ms. Archana Joshi, Director of Deepak Foundation, the good side welcomes you, Ms. Joshi. Please share how is Deepak Foundation responding to the needs of communities during these trying times. Deepak Foundation has been working in the sector of public health since 1982. Uh, we have hospitals and uh, largely catering to emergencies and emergencies related to maternal and child care. With the second wave of COVID, we saw the situation in the urban area was very bad. Uh, the hospitals were full. There were no ambulances. There was no oxygen and there was no medicine. There was a desperate plea from the government officials to help by setting up COVID care centers. That was the first demand that came from the government. We are also working in uh, working with the government at district level where we have a COVID control room and a help desk. So they felt that we are ready because even in the previous year we had worked. So as the first thing that we did was to set up a COVID care center in rural areas. The requirement um, was, uh, the demand was for uh, urban areas, but we set it up in the rural areas because there was no space in the urban areas. So we quickly converted our um, uh, 50 bed facility into COVID care center with uh, ICU beds, oxygen bed and isolation bed. The isolation bed we did was with the industrial partner. We also simultaneously supported in rapid antigen test for identification of the cases. And we also set up the COVID control room because the help that, that was there in the district hospital has to be shut down and all the cases and the documentation had to be done in partnership with the government so we started doing that and we also started counseling because many of the critical cases that were admitted in the government district hospital needed support so we started uh, supporting the cases with uh, contacting the relatives at the time when the situation was very critical so these were some of the activities that we had initiated uh, including supporting in the vaccination drive. COVID-19 has resulted in an unprecedented economic crisis. It has severely hit the livelihoods of people, especially the marginal population. Many have been forced to change professions, enter lower jobs, work for lower wages and have lost their livelihoods. What initiatives have you taken to help people recover from the socio-economic impact of the COVID-19 crisis on their livelihoods? Uh, one of the verticals that the foundation is doing is livelihood promotion and supporting uh, in income-generating activities through women's self-help group. So the foundation currently has about 178 self-help groups 
and there are about 250 women registered, uh, 2,500 women registered as women self-help group. So our experience in the first round was that when there was no income and people had lost their livelihood and their jobs, and they're coming back from the urban areas after, you know, as migrant laborers, when they're coming home, these are the women who ste stepped up to keep, keep the fires burning. We trained them into mask making. We trained, we had also trained them earlier in cookery courses and making nutrition meal. So these were the activities we support, we got the support. So they started making masks and selling the mask and they started getting orders. Women were also engaged in preparing relief material, dry ration, cooked food. They started earning through those uh, you know, trainings that we had given and also preparing nutrition supplement for children in ICDS program because ICDS Anganwadis had closed so that there was nobody. So we had already identified malnourished children and poor households. So we started supplying food through the women. So it had a double benefit or of giving income to the women, also meeting the other deficit which COVID had created because of the lock lockdown and restriction. We had trained women in making soap and hand wash, neem-based soap and hand wash. Now, these women were very innovative. They came up with the ideas to come up with most resourceful, cost-effective ways of making soap and hand washes. They came forth and they started manufacturing soap very quickly. So we started selling these soaps. We supported in selling these soaps so that they get some income from these sales. Um, apart from that, as I said, that women have been engaged in lots of income generating activities. As you know, in rural area, they cannot depend on one income. So they have multiple seasonal income. So when their spouses and when the male members lost their livelihood and income, these were the women he came, who came forth. Now, even in the supply of dry ration, women who were engaged in, um, you know, having flour mill and other things. So we engaged them and we took their support in procuring material from them, engaging them in packaging and also supporting us in distribution. So it was a real win-win um, situation uh, where the livelihood was also provided and the relief activities also took place. We understand that reaching out to communities during these tough times is not at all easy. We would like to know about the challenges your foundation and people have to face while carrying out COVID relief work. Uh, so the first uh, you know, challenge uh, was we had to go against the odds. Uh, while everybody was asked to stay at home, we were expected to be on our workstations because all these were emergencies. To have a team ready to work in difficult areas. So first challenge we was to procure personal protective equipment for the doctors and medical and paramedical staff. Uh, there was a dearth of these equipment and somehow we could mobilize then to make them wear during the peak summer season in both the rounds, you know, the first round of COVID and the second wave also happened during the peak summer season. So to make them wear, to make them understand it is necessary for them to protect was a big challenge. But then finally they realized the importance of it. There was a big taboo in the communities. People were just didn't, people just didn't want to come forth to get them tested for COVID. We were doing our, uh, uh, this antigen test for screening 
And the moment they would look at the vehicle coming, they would run away. They just didn't want to be tested. And there was so much of taboo associated with the, uh, the infection. Uh, we also uh, realized that while most of the private doctors had shut shop, uh, you know, we were we were um, had to be on the ground. So to, we had staff to come out and work uh, in difficult areas because our mobile health units work in very remote areas, and they had no opportunities uh, to um, they had no opportunities to get treatment, primary health care. So we um, our mobile health care services are catering to about three lakh population uh, in the catchment areas. So um, we started providing um, these uh, services and uh, some of our staff also got infected. So then we had to work with half the number of staff uh, also to follow certain protocol. Uh, you know, uh, deliveries, um, like I said, we are working in maternal and child care space and uh, there was no place where women could go to deliveries. So we had to also keep our facilities open for deliveries in different sections, keeping the COVID protocol in place. So this was the only facility which was providing free of cost deliveries for rural and tribal women. Uh, yet another thing was um, the challenge was, you know, when the infection was taking a toll on our uh, staff. So there was a psychological need for counseling also. So this was not only for the patient, but also among our own team members who had to be counseled in a very positive way. So these were some of the challenges we faced. Uh, collaboration is the key to widen the reach and impact of any community initiative. For carrying out COVID relief operations, has Deepak Foundation teamed up with any agency? Uh, you know, we cannot do without collaboration because the calamity and the disaster were of that scale that no organization, however big, including government, could have faced it alone. So uh, we, without collaboration, we would not have done whatever we've done. Uh, the first collaboration was because we were uh, working in this space of public health, people knew about Deepak Foundation. And so the donation and uh, in cash and in kind actually poured um, to us in terms of equipment, in terms of ventilators, BiPAP machines, uh, oxygen uh, concentrators. And there were donors who were coming forth to say that, OK, we can provide you with this and oxygen cylinders. Uh, when there was a big dearth of oxygen, because we were having hospitals and had a connection with the uh, agencies who were helping with refilling of the oxygen, we could get timely oxygen supply in the facilities and we could save many lives because of that support of these agencies. We also work with industrial association because our hospitals and our services are around the industrial uh, GIDCs uh, and in other industrial locations. So they came around and most importantly, there were many government partnerships uh, that happened because the government also approached us for support. So we not only send them with gloves, uh, PPE kits and uh, oxygen, but we also got a lot of those things in return, um, you know, um, in doing this and in, 
especially when in uh, in terms of setting up a covid control room because you know there was a lot of speculation with regard to data of the mortalities so uh, the good thing was that we were asked to get into the covid uh, set up our own help desk converted into covid control room to have a exact documentation and monitoring of the mortalities that were happening in the hospital setup so these were the kind of collaborations and uh, that we did and on one hand we were complying to the guidelines because as civil society organization there's a lot of paperwork that we are supposed to do even if we get a csr fund so it was like a maddening situation people were asking that how you know were you working at home and we were saying the question doesn't arise none of us were working from home all of us were working from different locations so right. collaboration yes did help so development agencies are resetting their operational strategies in the wake of covid-19 what are your plans on this front see uh, as per the speculations that covid is here to stay and looking at our country and its population to get vaccinated will take some time and by that time there will be a lot of mutants that would be there already people are talking about the delta variety and the kappa variety and so we have to live with the problem and we have to be geared 24 by 7 so we will retain all the setup we had planned for 150 bed facility we could only do 100 because the sops the guidelines the fire safety norms all that thing takes so long to set up the oxygen plant you know to get and procure all that took so long so now that we are 100% ready we continue to provide uh, and be alert with regard to providing inpatient services we will also continue to provide um you know promoting uh, covid appropriate behaviors at the community level because that is the first thing that we need to do is to prevent prevent and prevent and also ensure that there is no spread of infection so use of mask hand washing social distancing is something that becomes a part of the protocol of our uh, outreach activities so this we will and we will also and we've also started with the vaccination camps because there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in the community so one of the things that we are doing is to mobilize the communities to come forth for vaccination doing a listing of those um, individual from door to listing of those who have got the uh, necessary jabs of vaccine and those who have not to mobilize them to the nearest facility for vaccination so these are the things that prepared uh, to ensure that you know uh, we could curtail to some extent the spread of infection it was really great having you with us we wish deepak foundation emerges stronger and continues to serve the communities in the best possible way thank you if you are part of any development journey and wish to engage with us please email us at contact@thegoodsite.com or whatsapp on 963 101 Four four zero eight.